0: And so today's November the 5th, lesson number 4, Nehemiah chapter 3, the rebuilding starts. And so a review from last week or 2 weeks ago now. And chapter 2 we uh, I just want to review it for a little bit, get us on the same page. Nehemiah uh, uh Nehemiah's let's rise up and build speech we saw in verse 17 and 18 of chapter 2. In fact, let's go there and read that. Uh, Nehemiah chapter two, starting in verse seventeen, says, "Then said I unto them, You see the distress that we are in, and how Jerusalem lieth waste, and the gates thereof are burning with fire, or are burnt with fire. Come, and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem, that we may be no more a reproach. And then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me." As also the king's words that he had spoken to me, and they said, "Let us rise up and build." So they strengthened their hands for this good work. So that must have been quite a speech he gave, you know, to come in and tell somebody, "Hey, this this is a mess. You guys, this is a mess, and we got to fix this. Let's write. Let us rise up and build this thing." And so he said it in a way that wasn't super offensive, because you know, if I said this. My wife tells me once in a while I'm not the, the smoothest guy and I'm a little offensive sometimes with what I say. And so I can imagine him coming in and telling you, guys, hey, you guys are living in a mess. But do you guys like somebody coming over to your house and tell you, hey, how do you live like this? You're living in a mess. And the first answer would be, well, you know, hit the door. You know, <laughs> but he goes, but let us get up and build this thing. So he puts himself right in the, in the equation to fix it. And so uh, he, he he has a good speech and I think he had a good response from the people. But then all of a sudden, when anything good happens, you see the enemy pop up. And so we saw the enemy's response in verse 19 it says, But when Sanballat, the Hornite and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, and Gershom, the Arabian, heard it, they laughed us to scorn, they despised us. Now, that's going a little bit far, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I see the first part. They laughed at our plan. But then they despised us. <clears throat> I mean, boy, that really starts telling you their heart, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It's like that that's going way farther than they needed to go. And it says, and they despised us. And they said, what is this thing that you do? Will ye rebel against the king? So on your handout, they laughed at the plan to begin with. They despised the Jews themselves. And then number three there, they accused the Jews. They started accusing the Jews. Oh, you're just building the wall back up because you guys want to rebel against the king of Babylon. Mm-hmm. And yet I said, number one, they didn't realize why the Jews were in Babylon to start with. It wasn't because they didn't uh, fall down and just worship uh, Nebuchadnezzar. God sent Nebuchadnezzar to judge them because they were not worshiping him so that was the issue Nebuchadnezzar is just who God used to punish him to whip up on him a little bit and then we see Nehemiah's response in verse 20 it says then answered I them and said unto them now have you ever had somebody ask you something and the next day you go oh man I should have said that to that person I'm always at kind of like a day late and a dollar short, and Nehemiah is right on I'm telling you, this guy Nehemiah is on the ball here. And it says in verse twenty, Then answered I them and said unto them, The God of heaven, he will prosper us. Good answer. Therefore we his servants will arise and build, but ye have no portion, nor right nor memorial in Jerusalem. So you got a blank there in your handout it says, But you have no portion? nor right, nor memorial in, in where? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. Now, I'm making a big deal out about this because it's hitting home right now what we're seeing on the news. Okay? So, let me read this again. I read this a couple weeks ago, but I think I was running out of time. Uh, the Saudi Arabians, or, or the Trans Jordan Arabians today, who were at the, and also who were at the time of Ezra and Nehemiah were Ammonites. The West Bank Muslims in the days of Nehemiah and Ezra were half-breed Persians. Okay? Because when Nebuchadnezzar pulled the Jewish people out of Jerusalem and Israel, they brought other people back in to fill the land up. And that's a, That is specifically what a communist country does when they take over a country. They will, number one, they'll shut the food supply off. They did that to Israel. They've conquered them. And then they mix the people all up. They pull people out of certain groups and they put other people back in that group. They're trying to uh, disarray the whole economy, the whole government, the whole country. Because now, hey, things are different because we're in charge. Nebuchadnezzar did the same thing. So he brought a lot of Persians, a lot of what what I would say Muslims, back to the land in Jerusalem. In fact, the Samaritans are half-breeds. And so they're kind of like all the rest of them. The Samaritans were half-Jewish, but then half some of these Persians or Muslims basically today. And so um, let me just keep reading here. There were no Palestinians ever lived in Palestine. Now... People disagree with that today. Because Palestine was never a state and never had a capital in 6,000 years of history except one. And can anybody tell me what was the only capital that Palestine has ever had? Jerusalem. Jerusalem. And the Jews were there. It was the Jewish capital of Jerusalem, okay? and so, But the Palestinians have never had a capital there. They've never had a government there. There may have been people there, but they were like nomads that lived in the area. And so um, every city in Palestine had its own king, all the way from Joshua 12, from Noah's time, uh, to 1500 B.C. when the Romans took it over. And when the Romans took it over... And then uh, they controlled it, and then the Muslims got it. It was just one more subdued colony with no capital. When the British took over the area from the Turkish uh, the Ottoman Empire in, in nineteen fifteen it was still just a group of loose people that in bands that that went through the country okay uh, no state, no capital and no government and when the reju- when the Jews returned to their homeland in 1948, Palestine was not a state. It never has been a state. It had no culture. It had no religion. Uh, and the only thing they had uh, was they were Arabian and they were, they were Islam. From Islam. Okay. They had no official language. No political leaders. No capital. In fact, they all spoke different... didn't all speak the same languages. Okay. So... For the people in our class, we know this name, Arafat. Remember Arafat? Yeah. The funniest thing I ever heard about this. He used to be on the news all the time, wasn't he? Mm-hmm. The funniest thing I ever heard about Arafat, and I still remember this, was a Saturday Night Live skit. <laughs> when Saturday Night Live used to be funny. Yeah. And they had this guy dressed up like Bill Clinton. I don't know which guy it was. And he was imitating him real good. And he gets on the phone and he calls up Yasser Yasser Arafat, and he says Yasser. He goes, "Um, Pizza Hut wants their tablecloth back because he always had this red checkered head. (laughs) I thought that was the funniest thing. I've never forgot that. He goes, Pizza Hut wants their tablecloth back, and uh, but he was on the news all the time. He was he wasn't from Palestine he was he was from egypt it's like he was just a ringleader of what i would call a gang okay and so uh when arafat uh he started blowing up hot air and it was on the news about the state and authority and the president with the capital it never had been it was all hot air uh, and they never there was never a capital there and they really didn't say anything about it they let the jews live there as long as the jews didn't have a capital and a society and once once they got organized in 1948, oh man, then they came out of the woodwork, okay? And so it was then the five Muslim nations attacked the Jews the next day after they declared a statehood in 1948. Uh, the president of the non-existent Palestinian state is Arafat. He's Egyptian. He founded the PLO in Egypt. And now numbers, and this is an old uh, an old saying or an old uh, news clip that I got it's not a news clip, but written in a book. It says it now numbers nearly four million refugees who were not even born in Palestine okay so a lot of those people on the on the Gaza Strip wasn't born there yes. okay um, said let alone there and none of a lot of them were not there when Israel arrived in nineteen forty eight all the news media the outlets members misrepresent the matters. All of them distort the truth. None of them are historically accurate. And all of them take the same stance that the Vatican takes. Mm -hmm. Isn't that interesting? Against Israel, which has been absolute consistent since the Balfour Declaration of 1917. You hear Brian talk about that all the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so what you see here is when we're at Nehemiah and what this has happened... Uh, way before Christ, the prophecies that go on in the book of Nehemiah, the wall being rebuilt, Ezra going back, all that takes place way before uh, Christ even. And basically, we just read a statement here that says, what did he tell uh, these guys? Sanballat and uh, uh, these other two guys, one of them is the Arabian, you have no portion, you have no right, and you have no memorial in Jerusalem. Okay, so when somebody would ask us, well why do you believe the Palestinians don't have a right? Because we believe the book. We believe the book. And then go back and look at history. I was, I was watching a clip from this, uh, Lady that was, and I'm not sure what she was, but she was like a, an authority figure or a philosopher or I mean, she she had some kind of weight behind her and she was some famous lady uh, and it was on the Phil Donahue show. So oh, my goodness, how long has that been? <laughs> and so he had her on there and I don't know, he's asking her all these questions. And so this girl comes up and asks her, what's her stance on the Palestinians and the Israelis? And it's an older lady and she goes, you mean whether what side I would be on? And the girl goes, yes. And of course, you know, you got Phil Donahue. And he's just trying to stir up stuff anyway. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and she goes, well, I would probably be on the Israeli side because they are a civilized uh, society. Mm-hmm. And she says, look at what they have done. They have brought medicine to the forefront, agriculture, uh, uh, look at their everything they do. They, it's been t- in the technological uh, advancement. And, and they are a civilized society. And she goes, didn't you need to look at the Palestinians? She goes, they are an ancient barbarian civilization that have done nothing. They've mm-hmm. nothing. Yeah. To the benefit of man. Mm-hmm. And then Phil Donahue just goes mm-hmm. off the rail on her. And then finally at the end, it kind of comes back. He gives her a response. And, and she goes, well, my response again is they have really basically what you said. They have not done anything for the advancement of mankind in the last 4,000 years. And it kind of just shut it up. But uh, So that's what these people are. And yet, um, same group that we see here with Nehemiah. They're wanting to come in. They're wanting to stop them because why? They're going to build up Jerusalem again. And you sit there and you're thinking, hey, it's a big country. Why is this one city such a big deal? Because Satan doesn't want it to happen and he's using his cronies to go against it. So basically that's what's going on. So now we're already back to, to chapter 3. Okay, so um, so the rebuilding starts. So let me just read this chapter. I'll give you a, a few things to go through it. You don't have a lot of things on your, your handout today. Uh, but again, uh, we've got a whole chapter about rebuilding the walls and the gates. So their gates are being rebuilt and the walls are being rebuilt. Then Eli, Eliashib, chapter 3, verse 1, the high priest rose up with his brethren, the priest, and they builded the sheep gate and they sanctified it and set up the doors of it even into the tower of Mia and they sanctified it into the tower of Hananiel. Which is really interesting because the first people on the on the bandwagon were the priests, which they should have been. Because they should be the leaders in the country anyway. They should be leading the country. They should be an example. They were the first ones to cross the Jordan River. That's right. So, I mean, they should be out in front. Okay. chapter or Verse 2. And next unto him builded the men of Jericho. So, what's that tell you? It just wasn't all people in Jerusalem, was it? Uh, they were from Jericho. And the next unto them built zekur the son of Emery. Now, bear with me. I'm not the best at pronunciation, these words. And if you aren't, let me know. I'll get you to read it. Uh, verse 3, But the fish gate did the sons of Hassanah build, who also laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof, the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. So, I mean, man, when they started building this thing back up, I mean, they were fortifying it. Okay. Verse 4. And next unto them repaired Merimoth, the son of Urijah, the son of Kaz. And next unto them repaired Meshilam, the son of Barakiah, the son of Meshazibul. And next unto them repaired Zadok, the son of Banah. I almost wanted to say banana, but that wasn't right. Uh, verse 5. And next unto them the Tekoites repaired, but their nobles put not their necks to the work of their Lord. Kind of interesting. He he, he talks about their nobles, their leaders. They really didn't put all in on this. Mm -hmm. You think the Lord's watching what people do? (laughs) Now, How how many of you guys have ever been a pallbearer before? Okay, several of us. I was helping a friend of I was a pallbearer for a friend of mine. And we're packing the, the casket through the graveyard. And I felt like I was packing the whole stinking thing. And I'm like, dude, how much does this guy weigh? And then I'm thinking, oh, I know what's going on. There's like two or three of these guys, and they are just got their hand on it. <laughs> so I don't know if that was the case, but that's what I felt like. Because I'm like, we picked this thing up, and we walked about five feet, and I almost went to my knees. And I'm like, whoa! And I'm like, aha. huh it's Somebody's not left, not carrying their load, yeah. and and I'm like, God sees what we do, you know, mm-hmm. and and so apparently here he it, it this this group out verse six says, moreover the old gate repaired Je, Jehoiada, Jehoada, and the son of Pasia and Meshulam the son of. And they laid the beams thereof and set up the doors thereof and the locks thereof and the bars thereof. That's the second time we've kind of went through that, haven't we? Mm -hmm. Verse 7, And next unto them repaired Meliathah the Gibeonite and Jadon the Marathonite, the men of Gibeon, another city, and of Mizpah, another city, unto the throne of the governor on this side the river. And next unto him repaired Uziel, the son of Her, Herhiah of the goldsmiths. So now we've got some goldsmiths on the on the mix. Next in the hymn, also repaired Hananiah, the the son of one of the apothecaries. So what's the apothecaries? Come on, this group up here, I don't know. <laughs> the apothecary is medicinal, isn't it? Yeah, like a pharmacy. It's like the, the oil people, right? Are you feeling okay? No. You're just dozing. I need to sleep. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm sorry, I'm picking on you, but I'm like, the apothecaries is like, you're right down your alley. Okay, it's the people with the oil. I trying to think of the name they used to call them. Okay. And it was called Old Living instead of Young Living. Is that what it was? (laughs) Okay, that's what got her. That's what got her. The apothecaries, and they fortified Jerusalem unto the broad wall. And next in them repaired uh, Raphiah the son of Hur, the ruler of half part of Jerusalem. So we're getting some high level people in here. And next in them, verse 10, repaired Jediah, the son of Harump- Haramath, even over unto the house. And next in them repaired Hattush, the son of Hashabana and Malkajjah, the son of Haram, and hashab, the son of pehath Moab, repaired the other piece in the tower of the furnaces, okay The furnaces there would also be you could call them ovens, okay? So there's some ovens there, um, that a tower of the ovens, that's probably where they did the bread, I'm assuming. I'm, I'm thinking that's probably right. Uh, and I'm usually right, like 95 percent of the time, right, Kerry. <laughs> we had a friend of ours one time, and she's talking. And she goes, "I'm right like ninety five percent of the time," and everybody is rolling their eyes. They're like, "But come on here!" You never ask your wife. That. You never ask your wife that. But well, this was another lady, and you guys probably all know who I'm talking about, but I'm not seeing who it is. She and she's serious, and her own husband's like. <laughs> oh, no. I thought, that's a pretty bold statement, but oh well. And next in him repaired Shalom, the son of Halepesh, the ruler of the half part of Jerusalem. I read that. Verse 13, the valley gate repaired Hanum and the inhabitants of Zenoa, and they built it, and he set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof, and a thousand cubits on the wall unto the dung gate. Third time we've kind of went through all the locks and things. But the dung gate repaired Malchiah, the son of Rechab, how would you like to be on that part? Yeah, I'm fixing the dung part. <laughs> like, uh, again, who did you tick off to get that job? Um, <laughs> but the dung gate repaired Malchiah, the son of Rechab, uh, the ruler of the part of Beth and Serum. And he built it and set up the doors thereof, and the locks thereof, and the bars thereof. But the gate of the fountain repaired Shalon, the son of Kelaziah, the ruler of the part of Mizpah, He built it and covered it and he set up the doors thereof, the docks thereof and the bars thereof, and the wall of the pool of Siloah by the king's garden and unto the stairs that go down from the city of David. Now, everybody's getting all this, right? Yeah, it's going in one ear and out the other. Okay. Verse 16. And after him repaired Nehemiah, the son of Asbuk, the ruler of the half-part of Bezir, unto the place over against the sepulchers of David, and to the pool that was made, and to the house of the mighty. That's where I want to build. I want to build by the pool. Okay. Now, I hadn't thought about the pools being, you know, you know, laying by the pool. I was thinking about, at least you have water, you know. But I guess you could do both. Verse 17, And after him repaired the Levites, Rehum the son of Benah, Next to him repaired Heshabiah, the ruler of the half part of Keliah, and his part, and after him repaired the brethren, Bavi, the son of Hanedad, the ruler of the half part of Keliah. And next to him repaired Ezer, the son of Jeshua, the ruler of Mizpah, another piece over against the going up to the armory. Hey, they got an armory too. Armory at the turning of the wall, and after him Baruch, the son of Zebai earnestly repaired the other place. Now, hold on to that guy's name. okay? And let me read that again. After him, Baruch, the son of Zebeh, earnestly repaired the other piece from the turning of the wall and to the door of the house of Eliashib, Eliashib the high priest. And after him repaired Hemerimeth, the son of Urijah the son of Chaz, another piece from the door of the house of Eliashib even to the end of the house of Eliashib. And after him repaired the priest, the men of the plain. And and after him repaired Benjamin and Hashab over against their house. And after him repaired Azariah, the son of Meziela, the son of Ananiah, by his house. And after him repaired Benua, the son of Hinnadad, another piece from the house of Azariah to the turning of the wall even unto the corner. And Patel, the son of Uze over against the turning of the wall and the tower which lieth out of the king's high house that was by the court of, of the prison. After him, Padaiah, the son of Perosh. moreover the Nephonims dwelt in Orphel, now, the nephanims, you also see them, I think, in the in, uh, and the Chocolate Factory, don't you? The Nephynims? Oompus. The what? Oompus. The Oompas, okay. I get those mixed up. Okay. i got to break this up once in a while. This is killing <laughs> me, okay? So, remember, the do dwelt in Ophel unto the place over against the Watergate. Watergate. Watergate, I know. See, Nixon. look for Nixon anywhere here, there. I don't see it though. Toward the east, and the tower that lieth out, and after them, the Tekoites repaired another piece over against the great tower that lieth out, even unto the wall of And from the horse gate repaired the priest, every one over against his house, and after them repaired Zadok the son of Emer, over against his house, and after him repaired also Shemaiah the son of. um, Shechaniah, the keeper of the east gate. And after him repaired Hananiah, the son of Shelemiah, And Hanan, the sixth son of Zaleph. Another piece. That's interesting, the sixth son. And after him repaired Meshulam, the son of Berechiah, over against his chamber. And after him repaired Malkia, the goldsmith's son. And to the place of the Nephonims and of the merchants over against the gate, Mikkad, and to the going up of the corner, and between the going up of the corner, unto the sheep gate, repaired the goldsmiths and the merchants. And that is a mouthful. So the, what do you get out of that? Man, that is a organized group, number one. Here you have an outsider comes in, and gets the people to work, and I mean, they get going and they start getting the job done. That's a, that's a feat right there. Cause can you imagine that people living in Jerusalem, they've been living there for several years, and then, uh, Nehemiah shows up and they're like, who do you think you are? You know, it's probably got that attitude, but I don't see it here. They all start working. And so you have a handout there, and I'm gonna, again, I'm gonna try to wrap this up earlier today, so again, you can get a good seat out in the auditorium um the rebuilding starts and there are forty two groups that I just read that are involved in building this wall, so forty two goes in your blank. So my point is, I want you to realize, hey this is a big effort, and a lot of different people, okay. Now the people worked on areas that was closest to where they lived. Did you notice over and over it would say over by where they lived, over by where they lived. And so which makes sense. I mean, if I wanted to work on the wall around Kansas City, I wouldn't want to do the one in North Kansas City. I'd want to do the one on the south because that's where I live. But it made sense. So the people worked on areas that was closest to where they lived. And men from other cities also came to help. We saw that in 7, verse 13, verse 16, 17, and 18. But not only the men worked, we also see women working there. Okay, look at verse 12. Verse 12 says, let me turn back, says, And next unto him repaired Shalom, the son of Helohesh, the ruler of half part of Jerusalem, he and his what? His daughters. So he he had some daughters that are working. I would suggest that probably there was a lot of people, a lot of wives, a lot of women, and probably a lot of kids even working on this project. Okay. So uh, and then we see how many gates did I read? Who caught that when I was reading through that? If he wasn't asleep. Twelve. There's twelve there. You were only asleep part of the time. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, she's up here just yawning away. I'm putting her to sleep reading this name at list. Yes? I noticed something while you were reading that the Tikoites have two sections of walls. Okay. Mm-hmm. It could have been, yeah. And they didn't put their, their leadership was weak. They, they weren't interested in the work of the Lord. And they still had two sects, So they are probably a divided group. I hadn't it seen be, that. But it was Specific about in verse 27, their uh, their piece of the wall was the great tower that lieth out to the wall of Othel. Okay. And that was a little different than what we saw in verse 5, right? Um, Yeah, so there must have been two sections of those. Okay. Uh, So there's a lot of people, women, children, twelve gates of are listed here. They're listed on your handout. Let me just give you a little information about them. Number one, it starts off with the sheep gate. Did you notice it ends with the sheep gate? So the sheep gate is on the north side of the temple. And guess what it was used for? Bringing in sheep for the sacrifices. And I would assume... Animal sacrifices, okay? It's located in the northeast corner of the temple. Today, uh, it's there is a gate there in that same location, but it's called St. Stephen's Gate today. So you have to realize that after uh, they got back in, they got the walls built, and then after Titus uh, destroyed Jerusalem in 70 A.D., and they rebuilt it all up, A lot of, now you got Catholic groups coming back in, and they're putting their names on some of these gates. So when you go over and you look at some of the gates today, a lot of them have different names than what, some of them will have the same names, but some of them have, for lack of a better term, a Catholic name to them. Okay. And so, a sheep gate. It was the sheep gate that they brought their sacrifices in. Starting point and the ending point. Okay. Then it talks about the fish gate. And again, Rex, you're right. That's where they brought in the fish. Uh, it's located on the north wall. Fish were brought into the city by uh, uh, by the Jordan. Fish from the Jordan as well as the Sea of Galilee would have come in that wall. It's on the north side. Okay. So what I want you to realize, and I gave you guys a map, didn't I? Now this map is not really good. It's, it's kind of hard to tell. But... Um, Let me just hold this up here. So you've got this map and this basically you got an area like this. Now this is basically the old town of Jerusalem. It sits in a, in a top of a hill that basically is this shape. And then you'll see later on you'll see Jerusalem just grows, the suburbs grow all around it. So part of these, part of this wall, this wall basically goes around the old city. Okay. And so then you will see some of the towers, some of the gates are listed on this, if you can kind of read this. Uh, we'll see, in fact, you'll see a kind of a dotted line on the bottom uh, that starts at the valley gate, kind of goes around, and it basically you'll see a note there. It says, Nehemiah continues. That was his night walk that when he walked around it, we looked at a couple of weeks ago. He kind of walks just around the south side and he gets up to the east side and he can't go any farther because there's just so much rubble around. So he gives up and kind of comes back and he's like, I've seen enough. You know, that it's, if it's like this everywhere, the whole thing is a mess. So you can, again, you gotta to have to picture that this was the old town. Uh, of Jerusalem, and part of this is broken down into uh, where the Jebusites were there when David took it over, which they call Mount Zion, and then Jerusalem. So a lot of times you'll hear the Bible talk about Mount Zion, and you'll talk about Jerusalem. Usually you don't hear the old part of the city, but like today when you go to Jerusalem, they'll tell you "Well, this is the old section of the city, which is basically what we have our map of. Okay, so. Uh, so that gives you a little more information. So you've got basically the city of David, which is the old city, and the city of Jerusalem is, would be considered today the newer part, which would go a lot bigger than our map. Um, so where did I stop at? The fish gate, and then you've got uh, the old gate. It's also it's called the Damascus Gate today. Uh, it'll be the main gate on the north side. And so there's gates and there's walls all around the old city. And so, I mean, they had this thing fortified. And even today, when you go over and look at some of these gates, even though they've been rebuilt, they've had to, in the last uh, hundred years, enlarge them so they can get cars through the gates because the gates were just like arches. It's, the walls are made out of stone. And, uh, I mean, you, you can see the gates, kind of maybe what they look like, but they've been rebuilt since, mm-hmm. since this time. So you've got the old gate, that's called the Damascus gate. You've got the gate of Ephraim. you got the valley gate, the dung gate. And not only was you know the dung brought out, that, that's where their garbage and everything went out. So that particular gate of the city is where you took, your dump, you took your stuff out and it was the dump. And you took your stuff out outside the gate and just dumped it. Imagine living there. Yeah, I live over by the Dung Gate. No, you don't want to live there. Um kind of like going through, uh, uh, South Side of Peculiar on the way down today. We kind of went by the waste sewage plant and you could, you could smell, smell, it. smell it today. Yeah, okay. And then you got the Gate of Sur, uh, number seven on your list. That is also called the Prison Gate. So we, it's called the Prison Gate in the chapter I just read. Uh, but today they would call it the Gate of Sur. And you have the Gate of the Fountain. Uh, which was near the Pool of Siloam. And I've got references for all these, but I won't bore you to tears and give you all those. But if you want references, I can give them to you. you got the Watergate. that was uh, verse 26 that, that rings a bell with us. It was built by the... Uh, how do you pronounce that name? I want to say Nethanims. And these nethanims, nethanims... Let me go, where was that? Somebody throw that out at me. Uh, verse 26, okay. Moreover, the Nethanims dwelt in Ophel unto the place over against the water gate toward the east and the tower that lieth out. That's kind of interesting to figure out who these people are. And these people are servants. And these people are servants from all the way back when Joshua came into the land And there was a group of people that came from Gibeah to him. And they said, Hey, we're from a far country. Uh, Look at our moldy bread and our shoes and our clothes were all wore out. And they said, Hey, make peace with us. They were Gibeonites. That's this group of Nethanims. That's their descendants. And as a result of them basically coming to Joshua and said, Hey, uh, basically what they said was, We want to make peace with you. We want... even." And we want to make peace with you so you don't come wipe us out, basically what's what they were saying. And Joshua's like, he didn't, they didn't ask the Lord and he's like, well, okay, we'll make peace with you, but you have to be our servants. Which they gladly did because they thought they were going to die. These are their descendants and they became servants in Jerusalem and specifically to the Levites and to the temple area. And so they are the Nethanums. So they are servants and they had been servants from all the way back. From Joshua. That's kind of interesting. And so uh, then uh, number 10 on this, I don't know, you had number 10 gates, the East Gate. Very interesting gate because in this gate, Christ is supposed to come back and enter into Jerusalem from the East Gate. The East Gate's been boarded up. Not boarded up, it's been rocked up. And so the Muslims have come in and rocked it up with these huge stones stoned it up. They've stoned it shut because they don't want Christ coming back. And then they put a graveyard, a Muslim graveyard right in front of the gate because all that's going to keep Christ from coming in. Well, yeah. It's too bad God didn't see that possibility. Yeah. Okay. I'm being a little facetious here. Yeah, it's not going to stop Him. Okay. So that's the east gate. And then you've got the horse gate. It's so on the southeast side of the temple. So, I mean, you got David. David had horses, right? You know, you got to remember these. They had horses, so they have a horse gate and the gate of Mifkid. Um So there were also, which, when I went through this, seven towers. So so let me just go through this real quick and we'll be done. The word repaired is mentioned 31 times. 31 goes in your blank. 31 times in the chapter, but only one time is the repairer mentioned to have repaired earnestly. That's why he said, pay attention to Baruch. And verse 20, verse 20 says, And after him Baruch, the son of Zabay, earnestly repaired. Nobody else does it say they earnestly repaired. So why does God single this guy out? I think that kind of give us an example of what the rest of them should have been like. Or what we should be like. We need to earnestly do things. So you've uh, I, I, I think I gave you some uh, Bible verses. Uh, Ecclesiastes 9.10, Colossians 3.17, 23, Deuteronomy 6.5. God singles this guy out. So turn over to Colossians 3.17 and we're going to call it a day. Colossians chapter 3. I like that book, right? We just went through that book, right? Colossians 3.17 says this, And whatsoever ye do, in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father by Him. Now now drop down uh, to verse 23. And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not unto men. I mean, that fits the guy back here, this Baruch guy, if I'm pronouncing it right, because he repaired earnestly. That's what we need to do. So everybody else is doing a work, but his heart must have been in it. And God picked him out specifically for that. So that ought to give us uh, uh, kind of an example. You know, yeah, we we I serve the Lord. We serve the Lord. Yes, I go to the church that does this. Are you doing it with your whole heart, with the right attitude? Because... When we do, God takes notice. So let's pray and we'll get out of here. Father in heaven, we thank you for your word. I pray that we would be like this man that that served earnestly, Lord, that everyone in our our, our group here would just uh, count the cost and realize the the retirement of of our actions, Lord, at the judgment seat of Christ that we'll be rewarded. And Lord, I just pray that we would serve you gladly, earnestly and with our whole heart because we love You, Lord. So we just ask for a good day. Uh, thank You for our Bible study today and, and give us a good week in Christ's name. Amen. Alright. So I'll review a little more next week on, on some of that I didn't get said. But uh took a chapter of the book and read through all those things. And But there's a reason God put them in that book because He wants us to know